we are a community and we must support each other because that's the only way that we're going to survive. We are interrelated. The myth of the autistic person being aloof and distant and never interacting with anybody. We all need human interaction. We all need support. And it may look in different ways for different people, but we all need that. Episode 47, Autistic-Centered Therapy. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Podcast listeners, we are thrilled to announce the launch of the Autistic Culture Podcast Tea Public Store. Woohoo! You can now get t shirts, hoodies, mugs, and more featuring original designs related to autism and our show. I'm particularly excited about the mugs. But whether you want to showcase your autistic pride, spark conversations, or just share your love of the podcast, we've got some cool merch options for you. And guess what? Our paid subscribers on Substack get a special 10% off code for the store. If you subscribe to our newsletter at autisticculture.substack.com, you will get exclusive subscriber content plus a 10% discount code you could use at our Public merch store. I will use that. Every purchase helps support our show. So if you want to proudly display your autism ally status and values, browse the store today and be sure to tag us on social media showing off your gear. Ooh, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Listen, we just want to say thanks to all of our listeners and our paid subscribers, especially for making this podcast possible. All of the money from our Tee Public store goes to pay our amazing staff. And we could not do this without your support. We hope you love the merchandise. I love it, Matt. I, I'm very excited about it. I can't wait for my mugs and magnets and stickers and uh, various pillows to show up because there's a certain source of pride that comes from having your quote on a pillow. So I, I'm excited. That is true. Okay, find us at Tea Public or look for the link in the show notes. Hey, Angela. Hey, Matt. What are we talking about? So today I, I figured since it's been a thing that's come up quite often, how do autistic people 
find services that we actually need. Mm. Because as you well know, the, the biggest thing that people try to push on us is like ABA. Especially kids, I think. Like that's the, in our bad exactly. autism diagnosis thing, it's like you get your diagnosis and then there, you want a prescription, right? You're like, what do I do? Exactly. And because they have a monopoly on insurance companies and associations, it's like that's where kids just automatically kind of get shuttled. Exactly. And because neurotypicals in the kids' world say, oh, hey, you're weird, stop being weird. So they say, hey, go to a behaviorist and they will change your behavior because they don't understand why the kid is doing what they do. And then I think for adults, late diagnosed adults, the normal thing, because you're probably not going to go into an actual ABA program, but I know for me, I went into CBT, exactly, uh, Cognitive yeah. Behavioral Therapy, which was just here's how to act normal. Here are all the ways to act normal. And you know what I actually got my therapist recommended in the first session? I can't remember the name of it, but it was this bracelet. Yeah. Oh God. It, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. And so whenever yes. I would like bite my nails or flap my hands, it would like give me like a zap. Oh yeah, God. Like, oh, no, I've was, heard about like a snap with a rubber band. I didn't know about electricity. No, oh my God. Actual electricity. She's like, oh, it'll God. buzz you. And isn't that what they do with dogs? Like somebody had like a no bark collar and it like. It, it's, it's what they did with old school ABA. And that's what they still do at the Judge Rotenberg Center. Yeah. They, yeah, they use electricity. Oh my God. Here's a, I'm just going to give you a quick heads up. Didn't work. No kidding. Uh, yeah, shocker. Yeah. Shocker. Spoiler that, alert. Don't get the, Don't get that thing. <laughs> and that's the thing because CBT does not work for us because it's not structured for our brains. It's really and too it's, bad. It's, it's touted as the be all end all therapy solution for all sorts of stuff. But the thing is, CBT is based around, oh, you should not feel depressed. Stop feeling depressed. And it, give it's, yourself it's, a zap if you're feeling exactly. depressed. Smile, turn that frown upside down. Yeah, it, it's essentially gaslighting. But for neurotypical people, it, it, uh, it starts pruning their synapses. But since we don't do that, it's completely meaningless for us. Mm. And again, because after we turn 18, neurotypicals don't believe that we can be autistic or if you're a woman or black or, you know, anybody besides a young white cisgender boy, the world has a difficult time seeing this. And this is a reason why I no longer accept insurance because I wasn't paid for six months because a major insurance carrier said, Matt, adults can't be autistic. And they denied all of my claims for six months. And I could not live like that. So I no longer accept insurance. Mm. So over the years, mm. and so when I went through a divorce, I, I went, well, I've been to therapy several times in my life. Uh, I had uh, PTSD from when my son was in the NICU. I had PTSD from my divorce. Uh, I, I went into therapy and I, I would talk to my therapist and say stuff like, yeah, I'm eating healthy choice meals now. And I would get criticism like, you should be cooking real meals because healthy choice meals are full of preservatives and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot well, that lecture. The, I got that one. Yeah. The alternative is that I don't eat because I haven't had the functional ability to do such things. So thanks for the criticism there. And so again, for, for some time, I've, I've realized that most therapy measures are not built for an autistic brain. 
And yeah, I want to share yeah. one other one. Um, so I was super suicidal in the fall of 2020 summer oh, yeah. and fall of 2020. So I went to therapy and it was a good therapist I had worked with before. And she kept asking me, how do you feel? Of course. And then that was a very hard question for me because alexithymia, you guys can yeah. listen to some past episodes if you don't know that one. But what actually happened, my therapy appointments were Friday at 10 mm -hmm. and I knew she was going to ask me how I felt. Oh God. So scripting the night before I would start freaking out about how am I going to answer? How do you feel? So then I would like write 20 or 30 answers to the question. How do you feel? So I could like pick multiple choice. So you could workshop the presentation on how you feel. So I could work right. Yeah, exactly. So then I would like did that. And then a lot of times I would perform very well. And so I think she Perform. felt like it was a Perform. really good therapy session. Like she got me to say my feelings because I had like, and then I started like, then I started really dreading therapy because I had all this homework of all the scripts because I had to imagine all the ways the conversation would go. I worked with her for a while, so I kind of knew. And then yeah. which ones would please her the most? She likes yeah. a little tears. So I'm like, which script yeah. is going to lead to the tears so that she feels good? Because I didn't want her to like feel bad about the hour that she was spending with me and the $150 I was spending. Yeah. But then I started canceling the appointment because I didn't have time for all the homework and all the scripting and then not being able to sleep that night to make sure I was memorizing my parts. And then, so then I was canceling, but then I still had to pay a cancellation fee. Oh God. Or I actually had to pay the full fee because I would cancel later. I would just no show. The, the therapy was definitely making me need therapy. And yeah. so in November, I think I started in July. Um, and by November, I like quit therapy. And then I got this lecture from her and I like really looked up to her. Donna, I still love her. But then I, she's like, I'm super worried about you. You're super suicidal. Like you should not be leaving therapy. And that's definitely the conventional wisdom. Like I shouldn't be leaving therapy, but therapy was definitely making things so much worse for me. Like I was feeling better except on Thursday nights when I had to prepare my presentation to people please Donna. Exactly. People pleasing. That's the thing. That's the thing because you need to get a good grade in therapy because yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's how what I know we do. I'm valuable, Matt. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the horrifying thing about all this. And that's the reason so much of this, any, okay. So and even that's a going good with therapist. the therapist, she wasn't yeah. just CBT, super skilled. She, I found her through a domestic violence shelter that I had to go to when I was experiencing domestic violence, like very well-informed African-American understands the intersectional experience, knew I was autistic. Like this is a good therapist. I had a good therapist. Yeah. And, and that's, it didn't work for me. Talk therapy does not was not jamming for me. No, no. And and again, when you go back to the alexithymia and how are you feeling, mm. that's such a nonsense question for our people. Nonsense. And where are you feeling that? What do you mean? Where am I feeling? Where it's in my body? brain. Where my feelings where in live. Your body. Do you feel that? I'm like, yeah. Oh, and that's the thing. That's the thing feet. because we. My exactly. feet are hot. Is that a good answer? 
And and when because that's the thing, and, and even the best therapists out there are not well educated on our experience. Because uh, again, like you know, the time when I gave that report to a, a woman and she gave it to her therapist and said, "I don't know about this interoception. That sounds a little sketchy." And like, well, there's Google. You can yeah, look up you it on can Google. Google that shit. Yeah, and, but so many people don't know about introceptive difficulties and how we process the world. So we need, we need this drastically to end and with our intense emotions because I tell my people up front, I, I talk about the limits of confidentiality that, you know, if you say you're going to hurt yourself today, I'm going to, I've got to say something to make sure you don't hurt yourself. But I also tell them because of our emotional intensity, because of our hyper-connected amygdalae, we are going to feel suicidal on a regular basis because we live in a world that hates and fears us. We live in a world full of all sorts of difficulties, all sorts of executive functioning problems, all sorts of financial difficulties, all sorts of issues that we have to overcome. And we are going to feel suicidal. Please tell me so that we can talk through the suicidal stuff. And if anyone is feeling suicidal at three in the morning on a Tuesday, please let me know. We will work through it because it's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when. And we, that is the way of our people. It, we are, we have huge good feelings and huge bad feelings. And we need to acknowledge the huge good feelings and we need to acknowledge the huge bad feelings. We need support in our time of needs of support. And we, we need to eliminate the shame around that because if somebody feels uncomfortable talking about the suicidality because they're afraid that they're going to be sent to, I don't know, a substandard mental institution or, you know, that they're going to lose custody of their children right? or, or that they're going to lose their exactly. housing. So many social consequences from being open to a person who's supposed to be trusted. And we, we outline all of that because this is part of how we function. So that there's so many things that we need to do differently for autistic people. And uh, we'll, I'll be doing a, a, a training. We're, we're going to be doing a few trainings with uh, Meg, uh, now Farrell, formerly Meg Proctor, with Learn, Play, Thrive. We're doing a summit in January to talk about the basics of all this kind of stuff. But we're going to do further stuff about how to do an autism affirming evaluation and even further stuff about autistic-centered therapy. So hopefully... We won't. Uh, hopefully, we will be able to, you know. Uh, and and the uh, the the summit in January will be recorded. So if you're listening to this in January or February, you could still join and learn all sorts of neat stuff. And we will, you know, talk about more about autistic centered therapy there. But we'll I, I link want to, to learn play thrive because there's you know depending on when you're listening to this, there'll be stuff that you can is. Is it? Yeah. Learn, play, thrive is Meg's yeah. actual uh, company. If you're listening I'm to sure this in 2070, yeah, yeah uh, exactly. assuming, that, <laughs> assuming that Spotify and iTunes survives, which <laughs> why won't they? They'll be one of the two corporations left, uh, Highlander style. But yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 you, you'll, you'll hopefully be able to learn about it. But I, I want to tell people about this because um, I've been developing this for years. I've been developing it with my friends who are all autistic therapists. We will include a link to a graphic that you might be able to use made by my friend Cade Sharp. Uh, there's a big description written by my friend Amanda Bessinger. Uh, there's, uh, uh, oh God, Amy's last name. 
Uh, I, I know I talk to people on Facebook, so I, I know her name is uh, something else, but I don't want you to, I don't want to give away her confidentiality. Uh, but, but anyway, I, I, and Rachel, uh, Leah, oh, what are your people's last names? You all use code names. We're like the Justice League. Yeah. Uh, so, so, but, but, but anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll include more of that. But anyway, I've got a group of really, really good autistic friends who, who, we we've we've workshopped this we've practiced it this is how we do things and this is how we do therapy for autistic people and i want to tell you a little bit about it today so it's something that you can talk to your therapist about so that you can get the help that you need or find some because again we live in a world where somebody says i'm neurodiversity affirming i use the good aba and because the word neurodiversity is like organic and is largely meaningless these yeah, days. Yeah. So these are the things to look for when you go to therapy and how you can. Oh, oh, oh also, I forgot. Yeah. When uh, Arcadia, our autistic led autism center opens, we will be a hub of research to, to validate all of the, the, the characteristics, all of the traits, all of the services through autistic centered therapy. So hopefully we can, prove it to the world and get it reimbursed by insurance and all this other stuff, because we're only going to see autistic people. We're going to have autistic therapists. We're going to have autistic OTs, speech language pathologists, PTs, uh, social workers, a medical doctor, all sorts of people practicing autistic centered therapy and how autistic people need to go. So it, it's going to be great. We love sharing stories of autistic culture. And if you are seeing yourself in any of these stories and you're wondering if maybe you're one of us or maybe you're already diagnosed or self-diagnosed and you want to know if Matt can help you live your life better and be more authentically autistic, check out his website at mattlowerylpp.com. That's Matt, M-A-T-T, Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y. And then that LPP, it stands for Licensed Psychological Practitioner. So head on over to mattlowrylpp.com and learn more about working with my buddy, Matt. Okay, so I just want to pause. I want to talk about a few categories and then we're going to break down autistic center therapy, but just depending yes. on who you are as a listener. So the number one most common interaction I have with our listeners are people who are like, I think I figured out from listening to your show, I'm autistic, my partner's autistic, my kid is autistic, my adult kid is autistic. What is your recommendation for... Actually, it's not what is your recommendation. It's what's Matt's phone number? Can I hire him? <laughs> so that is true. That is actually true. I get that question on the daily. And if they're not in Kentucky, your calendar's super full. If they're not in Kentucky, like by all means go to Matt Lowry LPP and see if Matt's available and he's a fit for you. But sometimes if you're out of Kentucky or Matt's schedule is full, he cannot serve every autistic person, sadly. 
I, um, I am very, I'm always impressed to hear from somebody from like Uganda. I, I love meeting new people from across the world. I love meeting new autistic people globally. I, uh, there's just strict laws about international practice. Yeah, so. I know I've sent you someone from Canada, someone from Australia, and it's just like, that doesn't work. Okay, so thing number one, if you want to work with Matt, I get it. I know you all tell me you want to work with Matt. That's not always an option. Second thing is... There are, and you can Google these and find them, there are neurodiversity practitioner directories. On the neuroclastic. Yeah, neuroclastic is a great one, but that's not a straight up check mark. So you still want to go, I mean, it's good. It's a great place to start. That is. is what I recommend. Go to a neurodiversity affirming directory. I know of two different ones. There are probably more out there. But then you want to be listening for keywords. Like I can hear them really quickly now. Um, Like I asked somebody what they thought of ABA and they're like, I wouldn't say it's all bad. Uh, And I was like, that's not, that's not the right answer. Yeah, it's like uh, there's more. some good gay conversion therapy. Right. No, exactly. no, there's but not. Like, that is not. I asked, like, I asked a couple more questions. I knew the follow-ups then. Yeah. So, like, then I could ask more specific stuff. And I, one of our listeners who figured out her adult son was autistic, she's probably listening, hi. Um, she got an evaluation for him. We talked about finding a practitioner. She got evaluation. She sent it to me. I was completely dreading it because I yeah. knew she was like a new listener. She found it. I read that evaluation. Oh my God, it's amazing. I love this woman. I'm like, hire her, hire anyone she recommends. Like you can spot it in two seconds. So second goal with this episode is for you to just get savvier about Mm -hmm. spotting the right words so that you pick the right person. Now, if you are a therapist and you're listening and you want to get trained in autistic centered therapy, go to Learn, Play, Thrive, maybe sign up for those courses. Like- That's great. If you take this episode to your therapist, like my amazing therapist, Donna, who I loved and tried to perform theater for her for an hour once a week. um, If I said to Donna, hey, here's an episode of a podcast with somebody teaching autistics. Could you give me this? She just, she, she probably can't. Like people are pretty entrenched. And if you listen to Meg's podcast, and she's talking mostly to like speech language pathologists, she's doing a lot of work to try and open them up to the possibility there may be possibly could be a different way of looking at years and years of training and practice. But you can't just hand this podcast episode to a therapist and be like, do this kind. This is more about helping you spot the right therapist's to work with. And also if you're working with someone who is not autistic centered, just get out. You're not going to fix yeah. them. It's, it's not me. your job to train your therapist. And it really isn't. It really isn't. So I just wanted to say that as a caveat, if you're listening, I know lots of you are. Uh, I asked Matt, uh, let's break down autistic centered therapy. I've read some blog posts, but I think sometimes hearing it and hearing it from Matt, who's part of this consortium that like you guys created it and you're codifying it and testify and uh, testing it. 
let's get some of it out there so people can start talking about it. But yeah, you're not going to change your therapist overnight. This is about finding the right practitioners. And if you're in Kentucky, hopefully you'll have Arcadia you can come to soon. Exactly. Uh, and and that's, the, that's the great thing about this because it's really simple. It's four parts. There are only four parts to this, but again, they make all of the difference. Uh, the first part and the biggest part is what we call autistic interpersonal therapy because there are so many autistic people in the world who don't know how to be autistic because you've grown up in a world that demeans you, that tells you to be different, that tells you to be something else. And you don't know how to be the genuine you. We have to do a lot of uncovering. We have to talk about your special interests. We might have to find your special interests. We might talk about rejection sensitivity, uh, PDA, which a lot of people define as pathological demand avoidance. We define it as persistent drive for autonomy. We talk about our communication differences. And again, one of the biggest things that we work on is how to interact on a genuine level so you don't have to script. Because again, we, we speak with our accents. We speak about, we go off on wild tangents. We might talk about penguins for 45 minutes. But again, when we talk about penguins, they're somehow related to the thing that brought us in. And then when we find that and find why, that's a big area to work on because we've got to work with your brain wherever it goes. We, we do not take a judgmental approach about what you think, how you think, where you think. We, we do this. And, and a big part of this is, again, understanding like proprioceptive needs. So you can bounce while you're doing therapy. You can rock back and forth. You can stim. You are encouraged to stim and rock and bounce and make noises and, and do all of these things that make us who we are. Whereas if you went to a therapist where you have to perform, you might be very conscious of, I'm going to sit here with my hands in my lap, looking straight ahead and making eye contact for an entire 50 minutes. And no, we... We might rarely make co eye contact. I do a lot of therapy where a person will sit around and face the opposite direction because that's easier. That makes and perfect that's sense, perfectly actually. Fine. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, because again, we meet people where they are. And I know that that's a mantra in like, hopefully all therapy, but a, a lot of people don't understand where autistic people are. And mm. we need to not just acknowledge, but celebrate these differences. Uh, I've said before that when I do an autism evaluation, I don't give like, a, well, I mean, I give a diagnosis, but I don't frame it as a diagnosis. I frame it as an ot mitzvah because congratulations, you're of my people. You have you have graduated to the world of autistica. And this is this is exploration of what you need, how you need it, who you truly are, and undoing the years of masking and expectations and all of this stuff that people have thrust upon you. Because again, autistic people, we don't need therapy because we're autistic, because being autistic is perfectly fine. It's a neurotype. We need we need therapy because we are often anxious and depressed from living in a world that doesn't understand us. And this is another thing. So again, like I've talked about the suicidality, uh, uh, but our sources of anxiety and depression are not like 
oh, well, uh, not like allistics because uh, allistic people have anxiety and depression due to a lack of serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine, all that kind of stuff. We have anxiety because we are constantly processing far, far, far more data every second of every day than neurotypical people, and we get overloaded with what we call the intense world theory. Mm. We are, our brains process 42% more data at rest than neurotypical people do. So we are constantly on edge. We are constantly looking for danger. We are constantly processing all the variables and exhausted by this, and we interpret that as anxiety. We are depressed because we realize that uh, we have low energy. We can't do as much as other people. We are often excluded because we are different. We are depressed because we live in a world that is not made for us and we struggle every second of every day to fit that mold in order to be quote unquote successful. Mm -hmm. And this is a big thing for us. And understanding the alexithymia, understanding our introceptive difficulties. And because again, oftentimes I will say uh, something like, so tell me about your anxiety because it goes without yeah, saying that we have anxiety. I love that. That's so much better than how do you feel? Yeah, exactly. Tell and, me and about your anxiety. <gasps> oh, I yeah. never had a therapist ask me that. I, I just felt centered. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because that's that's the approach that we have. Because again, I never start off a session like, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm also fine. No, that's bullshit. I say, tell me about your anxiety. Tell me about your day because we get right into this. So, yeah. but, but that's the thing. So, so occasionally somebody will say, well, I don't have any anxiety. And I will say, have you had an upset stomach lately? Are you constipated? Uh, have you puked lately? Well, yeah, I puked three times yesterday, but I'm not anxious. Like, well, did you have food poisoning? No, no, I've just got a job interview. Like, oh, well, let's reframe that, shall we? <laughs> and we, we talk about the introceptive cues. We talk about sweaty palms. We talk about chest pains. We talk about panic attacks. We talk about shutdowns, meltdowns, situational mutism. And uh, this is another thing about performance anxiety, because if you have situational mutism where you get overloaded and can't speak, you might cancel a therapy session mm -hmm. because you don't want to spend 150 bucks and just be silent. So I understand that situational mutism is probably a given and especially when we start to hit on big stuff somebody is likely to go mute and that's okay and we will i will continue to talk and i will you know talk about cats or talk about godzilla or you know or talk the about turning others. around thing like that exactly, would definitely exactly. help me also Fine. i could text you yeah, Even if I'm that's in the, the thing. I, I text my husband, like if we're having a hard conversation, we will in the room next to each other, we'll be talking and I'll be like, I don't want to go to that dinner, whatever. And the conversation gets tense and I will begin to text him in the middle of our conversation. And then we just switch over to text. Exactly. Exactly. It just sort of and happens. That's... We'll do both and we'll be having kind of slightly different conversations. And then we'll just switch over to text, which is the real me instead of the performative me. I don't know exactly. what's happening. Because that's the thing. We we discuss and figure out what are your triggers and how what are your glimmers? Glimmers are the Ooh. opposite of triggers. Triggers are the things that cause you to have a meltdown or a shutdown. Glimmers are the things that cause you to be happy. Ooh. So if you're in this intense shutdown period, again, because I don't accept insurance, we can text. I see a lot of I see all of my people through telehealth because we are autistic. 
uh, we, we might have difficulty leaving our homes. We might have difficulty with transportation. So if somebody zooms in and needs to text and use the chat feature when they are having a shutdown, that's perfectly fine. If they are so shut down, they can't do anything. And we could talk about glimmers in order to get your emotions mm. stable. We can recenter you and I can be there for what we call co-regulation. Mm. Because this is the thing about us. We are not great at self-regulation because our emotions are too big. You might need a therapist who helps you co-regulate. And I, I can be there to help you co-regulate. I can help you be there through the rough times and help bring you back to center. Because that is what we do in autistic-centered therapy. And this leads us into the second part. Because... So neurotypicals have a very, very difficult time understanding what is complex PTSD, CPTSD, and what is autism because so many autistic people have complex PTSD from a lifetime of rejection and being pushed past our limits and burnout and all of these things. Uh, and as a matter of fact, burnout is like one of the biggest things I talk about with autistic adults because it's not a matter of if you hit burnout, it's a matter of when. Mm. And all autistic adults who live in this world will unfortunately face burnout unless you have like billions of dollars and a great support system and are able to completely escape the neurotypical world. Right. So, so part two of autistic-centered therapy is autistic trauma work. And oh, so we focus on, you know, so, so uh, the statistics are 94% of autistic women will be sexually assaulted before the age of 18. I can't find statistics on men. I can't find statistics on trans or non-binary people because, again, marginalization. But mm. 94%. So there's wow. a lot of straight-up PTSD work to do from an autistic angle. Because, again, you may have processed your trauma with a very good therapist from a neurotypical perspective, mm -hmm. but you didn't process how your body responded to it at the time because, you know, you may have shut down, you may have had a fawn response and blamed yourself, you may have had all of the... You may have said, oh, yes, I was weird and this happened to me. So we have to reframe all of this, all these danger cues from an autistic perspective because you may still be experiencing these danger cues and ignoring them every day and the anxiety mm -hmm. may be heightened and heightened and heightened and constant depression, constant self-blame, all this stuff. But there's also ongoing stuff where people may have, you know, made fun of you for your interests your entire life or said, oh, you're too intense. You're too much mm -hmm, or too much, misdiagnosed with mania or borderline personality because, again, people didn't understand how you function. So you learn to mask. And that is a form of trauma. Mm. We also have a form of trauma that we call internalized ableism. And this is a popular uh, thing mm -hmm. among people who have been 
vastly criticized and vastly abused for being autistic. So they have to hide all their autistic traits. And then all of a sudden you might have a child that's autistic and you find yourself being triggered because you want to be a good parent and let them be autistic. But at the same time, they're doing the stuff that you couldn't do. And all of a sudden you start reliving all of this old trauma and you have to fight this urge to say, don't flap, don't suck your thumb, don't do this, don't do this, because you were told to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So we have to fight this internalized ableism and we have to be able to heal ourselves and heal our autistic person that lives within us, within this neurotypical shell that we've built from masking for so long. And that unmasking can be a form of trauma in itself because you're being introduced to a person that you have hidden away deep inside for many, many years. And all of a sudden you get this resentment and frustration that the world did not treat you as you needed. And that's a whole big thing in itself. And there's so many layers too, right? Because it's like unmasking feels great. Like I remember when I started unmasking, I got this, it was like a plaque. It said, take me as I am or watch me as I go. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this feels so good. Like I put it up. I loved it. But then there were a whole bunch of people who decided to watch me as I go. (laughs) Like they were like, oh, all of my, maybe not all of my, but a lot of my masking skills were to prevent being rejected so that I would not be like cast out alone into the forest. And then when I stopped masking, it came with the possibility people would leave me. But really when I got my diagnosis, I was so hopeful. I was like, I'm going to unmask and people will love the real me. Cause that's what they say. Like be yourself and people will love the real you. People did not love the real me. It turns out they really preferred the me like, the simmering down, trying to simmer down, trying to fit in, that's, trying to be normal. And they really like me acknowledging I was fucked yes, up. Yes. <clears throat> Self-deprecation was part of my thing. Like I would always say, well, you know me, I have a bad personality. Well, you know me, I'm 13% agreeable on the ocean scale, yeah. a, a completely ableist scale. Like, well, you know me, I suck to be around, but thanks for tolerating uh. me. And like that, made me more palatable. So particularly blood relatives were like doing the charity work of like putting up with this poor, unfortunate soul. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who was at least willing to say it. Then when I was like, oh, I'm whole and complete and don't need you, which everyone was like, no, 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 no. You're not a terrible person. You're whole and complete and we love you as long as you acknowledge you're a terrible person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I was not willing to do that anymore, they're like, fuck off. You don't need us. Bye. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing because people love a that's charity. Confusing as fuck. people love a good charity story of oh yes I'm I am accommodating the poor disabled person, but when you say no mm-hmm. I'm just uh, this is me this is the real me and they say well I don't like the real you I I liked you better and, and that's the thing because yeah. very few people mask out of choice we we mask out of survival. And if all of your survival skills are based around the masking, and so many people run into rocky spots in their marriages because they start unmasking around their partner and their partner says, well, I really like that uh, nice and uh, uh, person who didn't say anything and didn't fidget. And now you're weird and I don't know what to make of that. And I don't like that. And 
And all of a sudden you say, where's my support system? Where are my friends? Where's my job? My, mm. I am afraid to come out at work because my job might fire me for asking for accommodations. And mm-hmm. because, you know, they say, well, yeah, just work, you know, 60 hours a week for the rest of your life and we'll love you. And you say, well, I can really only work 20 hours a week because that's what my brain says. And they said, well, we'll just find someone else. So there's so many factors that go into trauma for us that, again, neurotypical people don't even recognize. For instance, like with my therapist, again, decent therapist. But when I was so far into trauma and so far into burnout, I I was suicidal back in the day. I could not function. I could not cook. And I said, oh, I'm eating something. And she's like, well, you need to do more. It's like, something is better than nothing. Nothing. Half-assing is better than no-assing. And it's, Mm -hmm. these are the things that we need in order to survive. And we need to learn how to meet our autistic needs instead of the the, the the bullshit needs of the neurotypical world that has been thrust upon us because, again, that's just colonialism. Right, right. Like our show? Here's how you can help. When you tell someone about this show, it helps make the world a friendlier place for autistic people. And when you rate or review us in your podcast player, it helps people find us. It really matters. And if you're PDA, I totally understand. Uh, uh, you cannot not do this and it will still work out. Okay, so that was that's all part of trauma work. Autistic trauma yes. work. Okay, so cool. so that leads into the third part, advocacy work. So advocacy work is on two fronts personal advocacy and advocacy on behalf of our people because we need Ooh. to find what your needs are so that you can say no i deserve to have my needs met because i am at least an adequate human being and i deserve to mm-hmm. not be mistreated and Agreed. we Co-sign. exactly <laughs> we we have to say that is too much for me that is too loud for me i need some headphones i need some sunglasses i need less bullshit in my life And you have Mm -hmm. to be able to set healthy boundaries. You have to be able to acknowledge your needs. You have to be able to feel your needs. You have to understand who you are and the needs that you may have buried. And then all of a sudden you may realize, oh my God, the reason I'm in burnout is because I've been doing, you know, 130 times what I'm able to do. And, and we also need to do advocacy work on behalf of the autistic community because there's so many insane uh, lies told about our people. Like, you know, again, uh, which is, you know, interesting about, you know, uh, one of my favorite memes is, uh, Vulcans can't lie. No Spock lied. And because again, we've talked that there's, there's with, with kids, we're told, Oh, you might one day live a perfectly normal life instead of you need to live the life that is appropriate for you. With, with adults, yeah. they say, Oh, yes, you, you might never have a relationship or might never, whatever. You can't make, or, or if you make eye contact, you can't be autistic. If you can drive a car, you can't yeah, be autistic. Yeah. Autistic people all have intellectual disabilities, all sorts of nonsense stuff. So man, so much nonsense. This reminds me of um, when the uh, Scottish comedian Fern Brady came yeah. out. 
uh, came out as autistic. She's also queer, oh. but this was her coming out as autistic. She put up, I think it was a tweet, whatever, Instagram, whatever your social media drug of choices. And she was like, hey, just got diagnosed as autistic, but I promise not to be one of those people that makes autism a part of my personality. Oh. Like promise I won't talk about this all the time. Yeah. And she got totally canceled by yes. autistic people. They were like, this is some ableist nonsense. Well, yeah. let me tell you, Fern Brady came back and she became one of the most incredible autistic advocates. Good. Like she had just been diagnosed. I think this was about two years ago now, but she does so much advocacy work for our people. And I, I know I'm going to do an episode on Taskmaster. Uh, River, our content manager, and I talk about that we both found Fern on the TV show Taskmaster, which is like so autistic. But she talked about her autism on that show. She's joined a whole bunch of campaigns. She wrote the book Strong Female Character. Like she does tons of advocacy work. But like the day she was diagnosed, she didn't quite have it all figured out yet. Yeah. I, it only took me a decade. But advocacy is a part of the healing journey. And there's some point you're going to figure that out. I did 10 years of doing CBT, then learning CBT, then teaching T CBT to others and pushing it on others, then making a movie about how CBT fixed my autism. And then I had burnout and figured out, oops, nope, that's actually super fucked up and I better make up. Hello, here's my podcast, making up for many, many bad choices. And that's the thing because you don't know what you don't know. Because this is Didn't this know. is the thing. Other people say, yes, this is the absolute path and this is the way that you should do things because this is how we do things. And you, you've got to find your own needs and fight for your own needs. And, mm. and, and then help others. And this, so this is a part that Reach. I borrowed from feminist therapy because feminist therapy mm. talks about, you know, needing to, you know, advocate for yourself minorities of all types need to advocate for themselves. And again, it's, it's one of those things like saying, I won't let black become my identity is some deeply internalized racism. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a, that's going to be a pass, yeah. but yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for trying there. Yeah. Buddy. And, and we need to, we need to say that we, we are indeed a valid people. And, and, and for people who are just diagnosed, coming off the lifetime of being weird and, you know, other people judging them, you don't know any better. So again, so this is a big thing about, you know, not being judgmental about any of this stuff because I, I, I was in the closet for many, many, many years because as, as we've talked about, you know, I've known for a while, but... You know, it's just one of those things of what is socially acceptable and what are you free to do while still making a living in a world that doesn't understand us. So doing whatever mm -hmm. you can, even sharing links, sharing this very podcast, it's it's a way to be an advocate. And, and that's a big reason why I do the podcast, because I, I recognize that because I don't take insurance, I, my services are out of reach for a lot of people, but I want to, I want to help as many people as I can. So that's why this w is, and will always be free. If you want to be a subscriber, please help us because we need to pay river, but you know, yes. uh, but, <laughs> and Aaron, and Aaron, Hi, yes. Aaron, we love you. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, if we get a lot of people paying, then we can, you know, 
invest in Arcadia to help other people. Yes. Uh, so the, the more subscribers we but have. the podcast is always free. It is. We give you bonuses and extra yummy stuff if you subscribe. But we, for Matt and I, this is our advocacy work and it will always be yeah. free. Uh, I, 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 I will do what I can to help you in any way that I can. Because again, it's, I, I don't believe in gatekeeping that. I need to make a living to pay my mortgage and to support my son and uh, again to you know help pay for other things. Survive late stage capitalism. Yeah, yeah as you do. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I need coffee <laughs> as much as anyone else. But you know it's it's one of those things. We we need to make the world a better place for autistic people in any capacity. Even if you're burned out and you don't have the energy to do it, just advocating for yourself and saying I'm burned out, I need a nap. That counts as advocacy. That's advocacy. Do what you can yep. with what you can. If you've got a lot of energy, if you've got a platform, if you've got a voice, be a big advocate. If you you know don't have any resources, advocate for yourself. So any advocacy is good advocacy. Just just please don't let Love the it. world knock you down. And and that comes yeah. to the fourth part. Or when it does. Yeah. Well, yeah. When it does, hopefully there's someone doing advocacy work that will help you get picked up because we will all get knocked we down. We will. And it's not always the right moment to be doing advocacy, but that's why when you've got even a shred in there, yeah. give back. Exactly. Because again, hopefully someone will be there to give to you when you need it. Yep. Well, we, we, we are a community and we must support each other because that's the only way that we're going to survive. We are interrelated. Yep. There, the myth of the autistic person being aloof and distant and never interacting with anybody. We all need human interaction. We all need support. And it may look in different ways for different people, but we all need that. I think that's why so many people in the pandemic when... TikTok was also exploding. So many people started to identify. Oh, yeah. um, and we're seeing the fallout of so much late diagnosis is because we have been alone and we've been isolated. And when advocates had a platform like TikTok, it was like, oh my God, my first, well, like one of the first advocates for me, two of them, I just want to give like shout outs to Penelope Trunk. Do you ever remember? She was... Um, so these were all um, known as Asperger's uh, advocates yeah. for when I first came out. But Penelope Trunk was this corporate woman who was like weird in the corporate world. And I was working in corporate. And she just disclosed her Asperger's, again, using the term that was used way back then. And I, for me, just seeing someone, I wasn't disclosing at that point, even though I had a diagnosis, but seeing someone disclose was huge and reading her blog in the like early 2010s and then finding Alex Plank's Wrong Planet, yeah, yeah. which he started when he was a teenager. Yeah. And I get to meet Alex and interview Alex and meet his therapy dog. And like finding wrong planet was just like, oh my God. And that was completely free, like total labor of love. Alex was like a teenager and paying for all these servers on his own. Like it's great. It's still up there. It's crazy town. But um, but that was like such a gift because nobody had, it was like a PHP forum bulletin board, like old school, pre-Reddit, all the things. So... Yeah, that advocacy work has had effects on me for 
you know, years and years, David Finch's Journal of Best Practices, like finding all those early, uh, those early breadcrumbs of who you are is so important. So maybe you make a TikTok. Representation matters. Yeah. Being, being a role model, being visible, being out and proud will protect other autistics and protect the next generation. And uh, I am out and proud because I want my son to have a role model. I don't want my son to have the life that I had. I don't want my son to fight ABA his entire life, which is a whole thing. And it's, it's, uh, we, we need community. We need visible representation. We need role models so other people can stand up, say, I'm autistic and I deserve better. And hopefully you are one of these people that will realize that you deserve better too. And we, we make the community stronger when we all stand up together, Spartacus style. Yes. Okay. We got three. We got interpersonal therapy, trauma work, advocacy work. Hit me with number four. Uh, I call it automotive maintenance because okay. <laughs> we, we live in these autistic meat bodies and we, oh, it's autistic meat body magic. We, we, we have a tenuous connection to our meat bodies at best. We've got the interoceptive mm-hmm. difficulties, the proprios interoceptive difficulties are difficulties, understanding the sensations coming from within the body. The call is coming mm-hmm. from inside the house. Who's there? The inside the house. What do you mean? I didn't star 69 you. Uh, so we don't, we don't know where these signals are coming from. We, we might not feel hungry. We might not feel sleepy. We might not feel the need to go to the bathroom, which might lead to chronic insomnia, which might lead to lethargy during the day and low energy. We might uh, forget to eat for you know hours on end and get hangry or get very, very weak and pass out because we haven't eaten all day. We might forget to drink because we, we don't give our bodies water. Uh, you, you might forget to go to the bathroom because you're very busy and then all of a sudden you're chronically dehydrated or you've got kidney stones or you've got chronic constipation because you're not paying attention to these needs. So the the automotive maintenance is essentially driving a car. All of the lights are on, but you don't know what any of them mean. And you, you don't know how to check the levels of anything. So we have to learn how to schedule maintenance for our meat bodies, how to eat anything because again because we are notoriously picky eaters due to sensory sensitivities due to flavor profiles due to food availability due to executive functioning difficulties we might need to take vitamins in order to supplement our food intake mm. uh, we we might need mm-hmm. to have i don't know 30 pounds of chicken nuggets in the freezer so you can dump them in a, uh, an air mm-hmm. fryer so that you have a two step meal one open bag to dump an air fryer and then you have food. You, you, yeah. You know what? One of the things I had to do, this was really hard and I'm not, I don't have like a lot of money hangups, but when I realized I really only like very few foods and they have to be the exact same name brand yeah, of course. really is the case most of the time. And maybe even the same batch. Like if there's a reformulation, it's probably over. And this is true for my like toothpaste, my everything. Oh, yeah. When I 
need to discover something new. So like my protein levels were super low. And so I was like, my doctor recommended that I do protein shakes. Yeah, of course. And so I bought, I don't know, a protein shake, whatever I bought. And it was gross. There was no way I was ever going to, it just wasn't happening. What I actually needed to do was go to the store or maybe multiple stores or maybe Amazon because I don't know why I said go to the store because I don't leave my house. I order everything online. So that was a lie. And order a lot, more than I felt like I could afford. About 40 different kinds of protein shakes. And then I needed to actually schedule time with a body double because I don't like things, tasting things that aren't good. So I needed a body double. I nominated my husband to try each of these protein shakes and then be honest with myself, which is ridiculously hard, Mm -hmm. especially if somebody else was trying it. It is so hard for me to be honest with myself about whether I'm like, I like it. No, I like it. I do like it. So there was out of every protein shake, it took me weeks. It was weeks and it was hundreds of dollars. And I know that's privilege that I can do this, but I found one protein shake that I like, one brand, one particular sub brand. Like they have five kinds of chocolate shakes. It's only like one, like one tiny one. But I always have a case of them in my fridge because it's the only one I'll drink. So it's not about buying the case, the case of chicken nuggets or like I will, if you would like me to drink water, I will only drink Fiji water. I will not drink tap water. I will not drink Deer Park. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why water tastes. I don't know why it's fucking intolerable. I don't know why glasses taste like soap and feet. But if you hand me like water, like I cannot drink out of your glass. It's because your water is square shaped. Square shaped water is inevitably better. Right, exactly. And smooth. It doesn't make, listen, listen, no crinkly noises right in front of the microphone. The crinkly noises from those thin bottles, it makes them undrinkable. Yeah, Yeah. it's horrifying. So, but like, I figured that out because I once had Fiji water and it worked for me, right? When I had to do protein shake, took a long time. Chicken pot pies, one of the things I'll eat. You know how many brands of chicken pot pie I'll eat? One. Of course. One brand, hate all the others, too liquid, too gelatinous, crust too thick, chicken too something gristly. I don't know. Chicken kind of grosses me out. It has to be very particular. So like granting myself the permission to try 200 different protein shakes and then throw them out. And then also the permission to be wrong. So I thought I liked... This one brand is Fair Lakes, doesn't matter. But I thought I liked the vanilla and the chocolate. Mm-hmm. So I bought a case of the vanilla and a case of the chocolate. I did not like the vanilla. It was not drinkable. Yeah. And it took me like a month to give myself permission to throw out a $40 case of shakes. Yeah. Like that is hard to do. It is. I not like... It's very hard to do, but that is like automotive maintenance. Yeah, Yeah, because you... It's autistic meat body work. Yeah, because you... Again, if we don't love it, it's like trying to force ourselves to eat gravel. It's We just... Our bodies do not register it as food, and it it becomes a, a... 
a PDA thing where we won't do it because we have to maintain autonomy. It becomes a, a, a gigantic obstacle in daily functioning. So this is why you have to figure out it, it, But again, you know, like with your car, if you said, oh, this oil is on sale, uh, it, it, it normally goes in, I don't know, uh, the lawnmower, but it's on sale. So it's going to ruin your car. So you, right. you, you need to find what specifically works for your body. You need to find the sleep schedule that works for your body. Because if you have what we call delayed sleep phase onset, it means that your body's circadian rhythms, your sleep-wake cycle, might be pushed forward a few hours. So you might stay up until five in the morning and then sleep until noon. So a second shift job is probably for you. So not everybody yep. is built for the nine to five grind. I sleep in shifts. Yeah, I do. I have two sleep shifts. Yeah, by I have a break in the middle, middle of the night. Yeah, yep. yeah. That I that is know. a way. Uh, after Works for me, after I finish work for the day, I will go crash for like four or five hours, then wake up, then go back to sleep later on because I need to yep. reset my brain from the day. Mm-hmm. And these, you have totally. to find what works for you personally, because you are the only, no one wrote a manual for your particular meat body. You need to find, yeah. you need to do research and we are a research loving people, but you need to do research and mm-hmm. pay attention to this. You need to pay attention to, again, with the alexithymia and the interoception difficulties, pay attention to what these chest pains mean. Pay attention to what the, the stomach pains mean. Pay attention to like... Any tingling in your arms and legs or fingers or ears or whatever, because everything is a signal being told to you for a reason. And you may have to learn how to interpret the reason. And these are all things that everybody, neurotypicals tend to take for granted because their, their, their meat body needs are more uniform than ours. Mm. They, they don't have the alexithymia. They don't have the, 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 difficulty in awareness. And this is what I call the gummy bear metaphor. And we'll post an image about this too, because uh, I need to update the image, but we'll, we'll do that. So let's say that neurotypical people uh, can identify, I am happy. I am sad. I am hungry. I am nervous. I need to use the bathroom. It's like having a bag of gummy bears and one gummy bear is happy. One gummy bear is need to use the bathroom. One gummy bear is hungry and you can eat one gummy bear at a time and say, oh yes, this is a cherry gummy bear. Oh yes. And you can just eat two or three gummy bears and you're good. But with us, it's like the gummy bears have been sitting on a, a console in the sun and they're all melted together in one gigantic multicolored multi-flavor gummy. And we are trying mm-hmm. to chew on this entire gigantic gummy, multi-flavored, huge, fills our mouth and we're chewing and we're chewing and we're chewing and trying to figure it out. And we just can't figure out the individual flavors. We can't pick out the individual flavors and it's very overwhelming. And that's the reason we lead to shutdowns and meltdowns and situational mutism because we are constantly dealing with all of these sensations all the time forever. 
And learning how to pay attention to your meat body and take care of these needs will decrease the amount of stimuli your body has to interpret at any given time, giving you more resources to interpret the stuff that you need to interpret. If you meet your Mm -hmm. needs for eating and drinking and sleeping, you're going to be able to do better work. Uh, You're going to be able to do your special interests. You're going to be able to relate to people easier as yourself. You're going to have resources. Yeah. And, and again, the, the we've all talked about the spoon analogy before. I've told people that I like hit points because I'm a fan of Pokemon. We have only so many hit points throughout the day so before we faint. And every single one of these things takes up hit points. But if you have a... a, a schedule, if you have a system, because again, we don't do habits, we do systems. We do deliberate structuring of our lives because habits, we don't do that. That's not how our brains are wired. So if you have systems to accommodate for all this stuff, you can save some hit points for when you need it. And teaching people how to do this. We've talked about same food, same clothes, like all of those maximize your hit points if you're not if I try something new I could try something new I tried foie gras once oh god like a year ago it was very revolutionary that's a scrambled geese innards is it not Yes, yes. Not for me, by the way. Cornflakes, revolutionary for me. I still find cornflakes spicy. It's like that's right at the end of my food testing abilities. But I tried foie gras, but like that was a lot of hit points. Yeah, It was two hours of conversation. Like I still think about it and it takes up processing energy. The looking at it before, the feeling of having eaten it. Like that's a lot of... That's a lot. And like, it was fun. It was like a fancy meal with a friend from out of town. Like it was a conscious choice. It wasn't like somebody threw me into the deep end of the pool with the foie gras or something. But but still, like if I had to give a speech that day or if I had to record the podcast that day, not a great use of my hit points. Like that night, it was a fine use, but it had, you have to... Well, you don't have to be thoughtful about it, but as you learn to be thoughtful about it, you're learning like you're not going to take the car into the shop if you have a super important job interview the next morning and they need the car there for two days. It's going to be a bad day to not have a car. Exactly. And saving hit points wherever possible. Because again, you know, I, I, I... I don't think I could bring myself to go to a fancy restaurant these days. Uh, I, I'm much more along the lines of I, I will door dash some McNuggets. And then uh, when, when the driver comes, I will sneak out of my house like Gollum getting a fish and then run back yeah. in and, you know, eat my food in solitude. I know, the, I know the dance. Oh, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I like that they send a picture of your front door. So, you know, it's there yeah. and, you know, they're not because Ex- they've taken the picture yeah. They've left. I'm not going to have to talk to anyone. And I can see it's there. It's so like secure. There's no chaos. I'm going to open the door and I'm going to grab it and I'm going to bring it inside and eat it alone. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. This is the way. As always, this podcast is free and it will remain free, but we do now have a paid subscription over on our Substack page, which we wanted to tell you about. 
It includes lots of extras like private Q&A calls with Matt and I, our book club with our favorite book picks and discounts in our Tee Public store. You can check out all the goodies over on our Substack page at autisticculture.substack.com. Autistic culture has existed from the beginning of time, but it's not something that we've really started to talk about until recently. And these are the the life lessons that we need to pass on from generation to generation. We need to accumulate more and more information about who we are as we go. And, And I'm guessing that no one ever taught us how to take care of our autistic meat bodies because they didn't know that it was a need. And we, we need right. to learn about all of this. It's, it's, it's a big, important thing for us. Love it. Love it. Okay. Interpersonal therapy, trauma work, advocacy work, and taking care of your autistic meat body with uh, maintenance services. We need an autistic that meat body mug. autistic centered. Th- it is coming soon. Oh, I've actually seen the design. Oh, have you? But I'm not. Oh, good. I'm not. T- uh, no updates. I want to surprise you when oh, it's ready. Be I have a whole plan to surprise. Oh, you. I'm very impressed. Surprising you in a good way. Oh, good. This is how we autistic people surprise people. I'm going to surprise you by sending you a mug that you have requested with words that you know will be there. Are you ready for the surprise? That, it is coming soon. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. Oh my goodness. I love this. So autistic centered therapy, I have seen a way that you write it. I can't, is it like A-U-C-E-N-T or something? Uh, Capital A, lowercase u, capital C, capital T, because A-C-T is already a thing. So we have A-U-C-T, the new gold standard because AU is uh, the the chemical uh, symbol for gold. Yes, so gold. this is the That's new why I always wear gold. This is the new gold standard for autistic therapy, AUCT. And if you want to know more, I've got it on my blog on my website mattlowerylpp.com and we'll we'll post a direct link to that and we'll post a link to my friend Amanda's description of this. And we we will definitely be doing a training with uh, Meg uh, early next year we haven't set a date yet uh we're going to take care of the summit in january 1st and then uh, uh, go from there but uh, we're, we're all going to be doing trainings to educate people because again we're like five people in across the entire country so we we need many many more practitioners especially autistic practitioners to come out and do some stuff is there um like not necessarily in a copyright way, but is there an intellectual property or history behind autistic center therapy? Was it invented? Was it co-developed? How do you describe the intellectual property of autistic center therapy? Uh, I had an idea and put it on my website. <laughs> and then I said, and Matt had an idea and Matt put it on his website. And, and then I said, and then Matt called some yeah, friends I, and said, what do y'all yeah, think? I, I said, well, our friend group is called the autistocrats because uh, I, I find it amusing. And uh, they, they join mm-hmm. me in all the trainings that I do with Maisie Sutancho and we're all, Meg Proctor and everybody. And I said, hey, friends, what do you think about this? And everybody started bouncing some ideas. And now we all say, ah, yes, this is the way. So 
So you are the father of autistic-centered therapy. Uh, I am at least... Uh, Papa. Yeah, I, this, this is my proud baby. I am proud to have coined the phrase. My friends were there when uh, I was like, hey, how about this? And then uh, one of my friends, Aaron Finley, said, oh, yes, ACT is already taken. And I said, how about AUCT? Ah, yes, that's nice. So, yeah, so we, yeah, so, and again... Uh, my friends are the ones who says, yes, this is the way. This is how we should do things. And so we are we are bouncing ideas off of each other and we are coming up with stuff. And Cade came up with the graphic and we'll be doing trainings and we'll get his PhD any day now. And we we will we will continue to educate the world and teach people how to treat us more effectively because uh, again, we, we are all interdependent. I am very, very grateful for my friends for, you know, being there and saying, yes, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. And, ah, oh, yes, this is fantastic. So, uh, my, I, I, I need my friends for co-regulation and for emotional support. Uh, and you all need people too. So yes. Love it. So Love on it. that note, Hey Angela, so good. what's your favorite part about being autistic this week? My favorite part about being autistic this week is honestly, this talk about autistic centered therapy was so good. I had another one I want to share, which I might save for a future episode. But what I will say is the impact that doing advocacy has on me. Um, I wrote this little thing um, this week. I got the third person. I have, I wrote this little thing. I want to share this in a longer way, but I got my third email about the show specifically saying our podcast saves someone's marriage, oh, wow. marriage or like serious relationships. So third one, I wrote it down. Now, of course I can't find it, but I will. Uh, yes, here I did. I wrote it down. So uh, the first one that I got was a married couple with two kids. They reached out. Uh, it was the guy who reached out. He said, I listened to your podcast. I just figured out I'm autistic. And then he reached back out and he's like, my marriage was very close to ending. Thanks to your podcast, I found autistic-centered therapy. Uh, I found, uh, I've read a million books. I found a million resources and our marriage is in a great place. Then there is a non-binary couple. Um, so if you guys are listening and you recognize yourselves, it is you. Yes. Uh, they're a non-binary couple. They lived in a house with another roommate and they had a bunch of sensory issues. And we had a podcast where we were talking about sensory issue stuff. And they realized they needed to make some agreements and move. They've moved and within the place, they each have their own rooms now and they each have like their own space in the house. So they got practical advice from our show. Um, and then the third one that happened this week, that was like the big win. I had no idea. It's actually a business colleague. Never would have guessed she was autistic. Never would have guessed she had any issues in her relationship. Like just looks like Barbie doll perfect. And um, there's been... 20 years of tension in her relationship that when she realized she was an autistic woman, she was able to relieve and said their relationship is better than oh. ever. And two of those relationships are mixed neurotype. The, the um, non-binary couple, they are both neurodivergent in some way. So um, yeah, how 
fun is that? That's We're awesome. out here saving relationships. That's my advocacy work. That, that's that's awesome. I'm I'm very, I I'm glad that we can be of uh, any help to you because uh, I'm I'm glad that because again we, when we do the podcast it's just me and Angela sitting here talking and uh, I I never know who is going to be listening or if uh, if anybody's <laughs> going to be listening at all because we've got several thousand downloads but it might just be. Jeff in Colorado, who has listened to the podcast 30,000 times. Over and over again. Not, not to yes. disparage Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for listening 30,000 times. But, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really glad that, uh, the, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that it has meaning. So I'm, I'm very happy. And, 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 and yeah, yeah if, it just occurred to me that the, my friends' uh, real last names, not the names they use on Facebook, Amy Hassler and Rachel Krauss. So if you're in Massachusetts, please seek them out because they do AUCT. Amanda Bessinger is in Chicago. Aaron Finley is in uh, California. And Cade Sharp is in uh, 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 that Washington, that state up there that has a name. State of Washington. But, but yeah, sorry, go. Yes. Uh, I just. Uh, Though we will we will link to the autistocrat friends and I will say of those uh, three people. So the guy who reached out, the non-binary person who reached out and the woman who reached out, they all listened to our show and got help from okay. a therapist. They were able to find like the right therapy and know the right things to talk about and what they needed to process, which is really key and what the show can help with. But there is you know, more work, you know, more work, more conversations always to be done. That's personal to you. We're not like doing therapy here or giving advice, but maybe we'll point you in some directions to have some hard conversations that could save your relationship. That's, that's awesome. I'm... Or whatever. So share your news with us. I want to hear it. People track me down. It's info at autistic culture podcast. You can go on Substack. You can comment on a post if you want it to be confidential. There's a contact us page. Um, track us down. I uh, I won't I won't disclose your uh, identity and share it. Um, but we love to hear your updates and how the podcast has helped you. And if there are any questions that you have, few times a year for our paid members, Matt and I do ask me anything nights, do Q&A nights, where as a paid subscriber, you can actually talk directly to us, ask any questions, share anything live. Uh, by the time you are listening to that, we will have just done one. There will be another one scheduled. All you need to do is upgrade to a paid membership to participate in that. Um, otherwise, email us or comment and we'll comment back. And we would love to hear That's from awesome. you. That's awesome. That's what I got. I, I, Thanks, Matt. Thank you very much. And uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast. If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S dot com. Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowrylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in licensed psychological practitioner dot com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else.
Special thanks to our content manager, River Robbins, and Aaron Stoner, our producer, for making us look and sound good. Thank mm-hmm. you.